Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Canada, the director of health policy study at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, as well as the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is January the 19th. And on this day in 1809, poet, author, and literary critic Edgar Allan Poe was born in Boston, Massachusetts. By the time he was three years old, both of Poe's parents had died, leaving him in the care of his godfather, John Allen, a wealthy tobacco merchant. After attending school in England, Poe entered the University of Virginia in 1826. After fighting with Allen over his heavy gambling debts, he was forced to leave UVA only after eight months. Poe then served two years in the U.S. Army and won an appointment to West Point. After another falling out, Allen cut him off completely, and he got himself dismissed from the Academy for rules infractions. Dark, handsome, and brooding, Poe had published three works of poetry by the time, none of which had received much attention. In 1836, while working as an editor at the Southern Literary Messenger in Richmond, Poe married his 13-year-old cousin, Virginia Clem. He also completed his first full-length work of fiction, Arthur Gordon Pym, published in 1838. Poe lost his job as a messenger due to his heavy drinking, and the couple moved to Philadelphia, where Poe worked as an editor at Burton's Gentleman's Magazine and Graham's Magazine. <clears throat> he became known for his direct and incisive criticism, as well as for the dark horror stories like The Fall of the House of Usher and The Telltale Heart. Also, around this time, Poe began writing mystery stories, including The Murder at the Moulin Rouge and The Purloined Letter, which would work earn him a reputation as a father of modern detective stories. In 1844, the Poe's moved to New York City. He scored a spectacular success the following year with his poem, The Raven, while poet uh, Poe was working to launch the Broadway Journal, which soon failed. His wife, Virginia, fell ill and died of tuberculosis in 1847. His wife's death drove Poe even deeper into alcoholism and drug abuse. After becoming involved with several women, Poe turned to Richmond in 1949 and got engaged to an old flame. Before the wedding, however, Poe died suddenly. Though the circumstances are somewhat unclear, it appeared that he'd begun drinking at a party in Baltimore and disappeared, only to be found incoherent in a gutter three days later. Taken to the hospital, he died on October the 7th, 1849, at the tender age of 40. Um, certainly lived uh, kind of dark demons that he had. Had gr great writer, quote the poet, quote the raven, nevermore. Edgar Allan Poe. Well, today we hit the debt ceiling and begin using extraordinary measures to begin paying our bills. Uh, financial markets tanked yesterday with the Dow plunging, and the S&P had its worst day since mid-December. The Nasdaq coming down from a seven-day rally. As investors start to heating recession signals again after new data revealed weak retail sales during the holiday season, and also, of course, earnings that are coming out right are, in some cases, uh, very dismal. Uh, futures 
as I sit here today, are down as well. So it looks like we have another tough day in the market. Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida cabinet approved the investment of more than $17.7 million to conserve more th- than 3,500 acres across the state. The five properties stretch from Nassau County south to Charlotte County and protect or buffer lands within the Florida Wildlife Corridor, a recently designated network of connected lands that is crucial for wildlife habitat. They also complete two Florida Forever projects. Last week, I signed Executive Order 23-06, directing the Florida Department of Environmental Protection to continue its momentum and conserve natural lands through our outland acquisition, said Governor DeSantis. I'm glad Florida is purchasing these valuable acquisitions and completing a number of Florida Forever projects. We will continue to prioritize protecting and restoring Florida's natural resources for current and future generations. So, again, the governor uh, doing a number of spectacular things, but I think also preserving and uh, our pristine, wonderful uh, state of Florida. The U.S. Congress is out of session with just two days to go before the January 17, 19th deadline. That's today for the federal government to raise $31.4 trillion debt limit. <clears throat> The U.S. Treasury Department estimated the debt ceiling will be reached today, and the department would have to take extraordinary measures if Congress hasn't taken action. The new Democrat-led Senate's uh, district work period runs out from January 4th, 20th, according to the legislative calendar. The Senate isn't scheduled to return until February the 6th. The GOP-led House is out of session until uh, January the 24th. In December, the Democrat uh, Congress, with the help of votes from Republicans in the 50-50 Senate, passed a year-long $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that didn't address the debt ceiling. The bill raised domestic and defense spending over the fiscal year 2022 levels through the rest of the fiscal year 2023. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, whose party was still in the House minority at the time, has been advocating a short-term funding bill to give the GOP House a chance to negotiate a larger spending package in January. Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell kept the door open to a long-term funding bill despite the GOP winning the House majority and 18 Senate Republicans ultimately voted in favor of the bill. Conservative Republicans have called for spending cuts in exchange for voting to increase the debt, but uh, President Biden and his allies in Congress want a clean increase in the debt ceiling without any strings attached. McCarthy said he's ready to sit down with the president to discuss issues, but the White House told reporters on Tuesday that Biden isn't open to negotiations. There's going to be no negotiation over White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said in Tuesday, emphasizing the White House wants Congress to raise the debt ceiling without conditions. If Biden doesn't negotiate, the House GOP could withhold votes to raise the debt ceiling, which would result in a partial government shutdown until some sort of agreement is reached. It's unclear if the lawmakers will return from recess early to hash out an agreement on the debt ceiling. There will be Republicans who will say we need to reform. We need to use this as a vehicle to try to put some limits on our spending, our debt, and our deficits. So we'll see how this turns out. President Biden's budget includes a subsection that carries a headline debt outstanding each year. At the end of each year, it shows what the Biden administration predicts the total deficit would be under the terms of uh, Biden's budget proposal at the end of each year through 2032. At the end of fiscal 2021, uh, the total deficit was $28.386 trillion. At the end of a fiscal 2032, it predicts the total debt will be 44.797, or about $45 trillion. 
That means that under Biden's budget plan, the federal debt would increase by $16.4 trillion, or 57.8%, in the 11 fiscal years from when he took office in fiscal 2021. That's an average increase of $1.49 trillion per year. So you can see where he comes out on this. You see why he's saying he's not going to negotiate. Well, in my opinion, it should be tit for tat. In other words, if uh, if they want to increase the uh, debt limit by a trillion dollars, there should be a trillion dollars in cut in spending. For example, 87,000 IRS agents or uh, raises for uh, members of Congress, or and you could go right down the list of wasteful spending that's uh, been uh, since uh, Biden took office. We can certainly cut that and uh, get some sort of a compromise. We'll see if President Biden has an uh, interest in discussing that. By the way, he smiled and laughed yesterday, and I'm talking about Biden, as he ignored a barrage of questions about the classified document scandal that's engulfed his administration, while a shocking new report detailed a deal made with the Justice Department to keep the FBI away from the search. The grinning Biden stayed silent at the end of the meeting with Netherlands Prime Minister Mark Rutte, uh, while the media asked, uh, asked about the sensitive files found in his D.C. think tank and garage in his Wilmington home. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal revealed on Tuesday that the Justice Department considered having FBI agents monitor Biden's personal attorneys as they searched his Wilmington Rehoboth homes, but decided against it, deciding Biden's lawyers were cooperating with them. To a dual system of justice, just unbelievable. They raid Mar-a-Lago, had a relationship, they knew the documents were there and actually visited them under friendly terms, and then raid Mar-a-Lago here, they worked out a deal, so they trust uh, Biden's lawyers. Well, China's uh, carbon dioxide emissions are double the United States, India close to surpassing the United States. Why doesn't John Kerry just move his whole climate change doomsday melodrama to Beijing or Mumbai? We're sure they'd listen to him bloviate. China now has double the CO2 emissions of the United States and will soon have triple our levels of greenhouse gas emissions. Meanwhile, India is on a pace to surpass the United States in emissions in the next few years, even though the GDP is about one-fifth as large as the GDP of the United States. So again, Kerry, he just bloviates. He's unbelievable. Uh, Has he ever had a real job? I'm not certain that he has. Well, a new report from the MRC Business Part of Media Research Center explored the extent of George Soros's influence over international media, and this is, in my opinion, quite disturbing. The study previously revealed that Soros shelled out at least $131 million between 2016 and 20 to influence 253 media groups. The network of media ties allows Soros to hold sizable influence over the stories that the media covers, how they cover those stories and what the stories don't cover, the reporter authors wrote. The study found at least 54 media figures linked to Soros Cash with Bloomberg News co-founder Matt Winkler and CNN's Christine Amanpour among them. The other ends encompass journalists, anchors, columnists, editors, news and journalists linked to the organization like ABC, CBS, NPR, and Bloomberg News, Reuters, and the New York Times. Uh, Vasquez and Schneider wrote, these include personalities like NBC Nightly News anchor Lester Holt and the Washington Post executive Sally Busby. Can you believe that? Uh, So uh, Soros has his fingers in a lot of pies, including uh, the mainstream media, as well as uh, district attorneys across the United States.
New Zealand Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern has announced in a reportedly tearful press conference that she will resign on February the 7th. She's 42 and became the infamous on the world stage for her fervent support of draconian lockdown policies during the Chinese coronavirus crisis, announced that she will be stepping down her role as prime minister, a position that she held since 2017. The Ardern government drew international criticism over its attitude towards individual liberties during the Chinese coronavirus. In 2021, the far-left prime minister openly bragged about ushering in a two-tiered society in which those who had taken a jab uh, were granted more rights. Ardern is an acolyte of the Davos-based World Economic Forum and also drew some pushback at home with New Zealanders staging a Canada-style freedom convoy on their own last year, blocking off central Wellington near the Parliament building over the public sector vaccine mandates and other restrictions being imposed by the government. I hope uh, politicians will take note because uh, you can't trample on individual freedoms and uh, it's cost her her job. Fortunately, she recognized it. The Biden Justice Department is fighting to reverse the decision which deemed the nationwide mask mandate unlawful, hoping to gain back the powerful uh, power to force individuals to wear masks on public transportation, including planes, once again. Fortunately, we live in the free state of Florida where Governor DeSantis is protecting us from this kind of nonsense. We may be inconvenienced if we end up uh, getting on flights or public transportation because mass mandates, if he, apps, if he actually prevails, hopefully he won't. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the web- website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. By the way, I do want to remind you of a today, actually, this morning at 10.15, there's a wonderful opportunity to attend a uh, death planning or funeral planning uh, session that's being put on by the uh, Cuyahoga County Resource Center. I'm scrolling up right now to find the real message here. The uh, Senior Center at Golden Gate, it's uh, first nonprofit senior resource center dedicated to addressing the needs of older adults and caregivers, partnering with the Val Hospice to host a free funeral planning seminar today. Uh, it's uh, planning ahead with legacy options at 1015. It's at the uh, address at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Naples. And if you want more information, you can go to the Collier Senior Center organization, CollierSeniorCenter.org, the website, CollierSeniorCenter.org, or call 252-4541. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. 
Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Are you planning on tra- uh, traveling abroad? Well, the, uh, this segment of the show is brought to you by internationalhealthplans.com. Uh, some plans, most plans actually, don't uh, insurance plans don't cover international travel. And if you want to make sure you can travel worry-free, uh, go to internationalhealthplans.com and check out the wonderful offerings for health insurance while you're traveling abroad. internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a coalition of well over 100 uh, grassroots groups across Florida and 250,000 people in our active database, mostly parents with kids 17 or under in the home. And so we, uh, as a coalition, we focus on uh, trying to improve the education quality for our kids. Uh, To us, that means uh, expanding school choice, the options parents have to, to, to frankly, get out of public schools, and to uh, stop the indoctrination and the pornography that's in our schools. Yeah, doing a terrific job. And I know that you're in Tallahassee right now, uh, finishing up a visit with uh, lawmakers and policymakers in uh, Florida. How's it going for this uh, session? Uh, Really very positive. You know, it's the legislature, so you can't get too uh, uh, carried away. But um, this is the second committee week. Uh, of the year in January, and there are three next week and uh, next month as well. Um, we're focusing, and we've talked about this on your show before. We're focusing on a number of uh, items: a universal education savings account, um, you know, an opt-in for sexually explicit materials, and trying to put some control in, on supplemental materials. So, uh, we're meeting uh, with legislators in both chambers. Uh, we've had meetings with. Uh, 
you know, the, the president pro tem yesterday, uh, Dennis Baxley, we had a, a really good meeting with uh, Senator Debbie Mayfield, uh, who's the uh, rules committee chair. So she's arguably, arguably the, the second or third most powerful person in the Senate. And it was a very positive meeting. Um, we also had good meetings uh, two days ago with uh, Chair Masula, who's chair of the Education Committee and uh, chair of the Ways and Means Committee. And the Ways and Means Committee is an important one because we have a great relationship with uh, Chair Stan McLean. And uh, he's agreed to file our opt-in bill, uh, which uh, we talked about on your show before. But, uh, uh, you know, he had to get the Speaker's approval to do that. So that tells us that the Speaker's going to support it. So that's good news. Now, just uh, for, for clarification for our listeners' benefit, to, to opt in, it means that it would require parents to opt in. In other words, they wouldn't have to opt out uh, in order for kids to participate in uh, certain types of readings or, or materials that could right. be pornographic. Yeah, the best example I can give parents, uh, if you have a child that wants to play football, you have to officially opt in by signing uh, a paper that you want your child to play football. Right. Yet uh, we have the, all of these school districts, we're currently operating under what's called an opt-out policy yeah. or law. And what happens now is a parent who's really paying close attention to what's going on regarding all the sexually explicit material uh, can, in theory, opt their child out. It's incumbent on the parents to figure out what the school district is doing. And uh, an opt-in said, no, 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 school district has to tell you everything they're doing regarding sexually explicit material, and you have to sign your child up for it just like you would if their child was playing football. That's good information. That's great uh, news. And in fact, I was also uh, delighted to read that uh, – uh, of course, the, gov the governor has signed a bill saying that the, it, our health practitioners can operate without pressure from the CDC or from any kind of rules that, that are passed down. So in other words, they could uh, imply, apply the Hippocratic Oath as they should, and where there's been some uh, perhaps threats that they might lose their license. The point of my I'm mentioning this is that now these mask man mandates these vaccine mandates are prohibited in public uh, school and education. And if uh, students get uh, some threats that uh, or feel intimidated by any students or teachers or principals or whoever it might be, they can apply for Hope Scholarship. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, that, and that's been the case uh, for well over a year in terms of the Hope Scholarship. You, you may remember, your listeners might remember, back in 2021, in July of 2021, the governor jumped on the idea, and it was actually Pastor Rick's idea, to be very blunt about it. Hmm. Uh, they jumped on the idea of making, um, you know, intimidation and threats regarding uh, the, the, the jab and the mask um, uh, uh, fall under the, uh, the Hope Scholarship. And they actually did a special rule at the State Board of Education. Uh, and again, that, that was literally Pastor Rick's idea uh, that... that uh, he mentioned the governor in one of the governor's local visits there in Cape Coral. Wow, that's uh, that's great news. And of course, Pastor Rick is the co-founder, along with Keith of the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, Keith, you're doing God's work. I just genuinely appreciate the work that you're doing, and uh, I just encourage our listeners to support uh, your organization. You can do that by attending a gala that's coming up in March. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it's March 8th. It's going to be at the, the Ritz-Tiburon, the golf course side of the equation. Um, they, of course, have two locations, but the beach, the Ritz of the Beach is still shut down, I understand. Uh, but uh, our 
keynote speaker is going to be Newt Gingrich. We're really excited about that. Uh, he's, uh, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners have heard him speak, but there's a couple of speakers in my experience that when they're speaking, you can be in large audiences, you can literally hear a pin drop. Yeah. And, uh, he's one of them. And the other, by the way, is, uh, Larry Arndt out of Hillsdale, uh, Arndt out of Hillsdale, uh, Hillsdale College. But Terrific. Uh, we're excited to have him. Um, you can get tickets, uh, on our website. Uh, and you can be a spot. Anybody can be a sponsor. Um, so please join up. Join us for a great evening. Yeah, goflca.com is the website. Goflca.com. Keith, just genuinely appreciate your commentary and the great work that you're doing for education, public education here in Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. You and your listeners have a great rest of your week and weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Uh, we are a libertarian think tank here in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977. And what we do is we try to add to the public discourse a, a consistent voice for the principles of individual liberty. 
limited government, free markets, and peace, which you could say are the founding principles of this country, or at least the principles that animate the Declaration of Independence. And you wouldn't think that they would be so radical uh, in 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 Washington, but we uh, we do find ourselves uh, well out of the mainstream uh, often because uh, we want the government to stop violating your rights and making you poor, yeah. poorer uh, than you could be. And uh, that is a pretty radical position in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it certainly is. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, I understand that uh, Medicaid is starting to unravel in several states because of uh, uh, the change in the emergency. Well, maybe you could clarify what's going on. So I think we may have touched on this before. Uh, the, The Medicaid program has exploded in terms of uh, enrollments and spending since the pandemic because of some of the uh, uh, s- sort of uh, predatory subsidizing that the federal government does of that program when it comes to how states uh, administer it. And uh, states are going to be on the hook for a lot of uh, additional spending unless they throw off of the Medicaid rolls, maybe 18 million people who are not eligible uh, but uh, whom the federal government has prevented states from disenrolling the way states have always disenrolled people who are no longer eligible for the program. And, and that's going to be a big political fight starting in just a couple of months in each of the states when Congress finally will allow states to do what they've always done with the Medicaid program, which is say, hey, you're earning too much money. This is a program for the poor. We're going to remove you from the rolls. Uh, so that, and then uh, and 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 target those scarce Medicaid funds at people who are um, uh, who are worse off. Now, did, did this come about because of COVID? In other words, were people enrolled but mandated by the uh, the states were mandated by the government because of COVID to uh, enroll these people? So yes and no. It happened because of COVID. It wasn't a mandate. It's actually something a little more subtle and nefarious that the federal government has been doing. Uh, with in two states ever since Congress created the Medicaid program in 1965. The way that the the Congress uh, funds the Medicaid program is, it says to states, look, if you spend a dollar on Medicaid, we will match that with another dollar. And if you're a low-income state, we'll match it with as many as three or four dollars. So states can double or quintuple their money by spending it on the Medicaid program, and when it comes to the Obamacare Medicaid expansion, Congress says to states, for every dollar you spend on uh, uh, on on the Obamacare Medicaid expansion, we will give you nine dollars. So you can increase your spending there by an order of magnitude if you spend it on Obamacare. And this sounds like a great deal from this perspective of the states. From the, from the perspective of a state uh, policymaker, it really is because you get to dole out maybe. $10 of uh, benefits. You get $10 of political benefit uh, for only, uh, you only have to inflict $1 of political pain uh, in terms of the taxes that you have to raise to get those $10 of political benefit. So the Medicaid program ever since 1965 has just been exploding in, in terms of the number of people it enrolls, the number uh, or, or the range of benefits that it covers, and of course, overall spending. And then along comes COVID. And when COVID happens, Congress says to states, look, we're going to give you additional money. Hmm. We're going to make it uh, we're going to make it easier for you 
to expand the Medicaid program, keep uh, ineligible people on the rolls, because we're going to give you more than the usual matching amount that we give you. But we're going to place this condition on those additional funds, uh, which is you can't disenroll any people when they become ineligible. Now, you might think that this is a socialist dream because you're, you're tricking states, or not really tricking states, inducing states mm-hmm. into keeping people on government-run health care, even after they're no longer eligible, it's sort of a stealth expansion of the program, which has caused it to expand enormously. There's, a, By some estimates, there are now 90 million Americans in the Medicaid program. That is almost, you know, it's a quarter to a third of the population. Right. And, and, that's, and that's huge. And it's all been happening under the radar uh, and much of it has been happening just because Congress put in place that one provision that says you can't disenroll people once they become ineligible. So now what's going to be happening it, when, is when Congress or the, uh, the executive branch declares the end to the public health emergency, those additional matching funds, the little the boost that Congress gave states because of COVID, those go away. The, those funds go away. And when they go away, not only do states... Uh, oh, uh, uh, states have to pay for more of their Medicaid programs, but they're going to have all of these ineligible people on their programs, and they will suddenly, at the end of the uh, public health emergency or in a, uh, leading up to it, they'll be able to disenroll those people finally. Uh, it's going to be very hard for them to do so, because once you give people right. a government subsidy, it's very hard to take it back. And uh, it remains to be seen whether and to what extent states will be able to remove these ineligible people from the Medicaid rolls, or will they have to keep those people on the rolls and increase taxes at the state level, maybe at the federal level as well, to pay for this massive expansion of government-run health care? So uh, Florida has about 8% of the population in the United States. So would you guess that we have about 8% of the ineligible enrollees in uh, Medicaid? I mean, that's a good ballpark. I, there may be people who have done state-by-state state <clears throat> breakdowns of this, uh, but uh, it, is, it is certainly plausible that there are hundreds of, mil- uh, sorry, hundreds of thousands of ineligible people uh, enrolled in Florida's Medicaid program. Although, you know, there's, there's always ineligible people in, in the program. There were before Obamacare uh, uh, because uh, there's a lot of fraud in the Medicaid program, yeah. and states are not that great about removing ineligible people because uh, of the, the the matching grant system of federal funding that I mentioned. If you go on a uh, on the war path in uh, uh, in a state and you decide to en- uh, disenroll all ineligible people, you're going to be inflicting uh, for every one dollar of political pain you inflict. You're going to get maybe 50 cents of political benefit because that's how much money you say is the half of the savings or more goes to the federal government instead of you. So states really don't even bother doing this in the first place. They may have to do it this time around because that that 50 cents of political benefit is, is so much bigger this time around. Yeah, well, and, and we're seeing that uh, our workforce contract. And I think this might be one of the reasons because people understand that they can actually have more financial benefit by just staying at work and getting Medicaid, getting a, a 
un- unemployment insurance and uh, other uh, federal benefits and state benefits. Uh, this is, it's really shocking and disappointing, quite frankly. Michael Cannon, again, uh, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I refer you to the very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Seton Motley. Seton that just recently moved to Belize, and uh, he's loving it. And uh, so we're going to be talking. He's the uh, president and founder of uh, Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodge University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He is the founder and uh, CEO, president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Seton, tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and less and less conservatives appear to do so. Yeah. So, yes. Well, I think there's the number. <laughs> We've got an uninformed, ignorant electorate, unfortunately. So uh, yes. just got to keep up the good work of trying to keep them educated, Seton. 
So, uh, hey, before I, before we jump into the topic at hand, uh, you've moved to Belize here. I guess it's been a couple of weeks now that you've been down there, a month maybe? Uh, a little over a month, yes. Tell us about life in Belize. Um, I I enjoy it thoroughly. I love it. Um, it it's, I don't know if it's just me or... Uh, I just had the sense that waking up every day in the U.S. with you know the debate about whether or not men can get pregnant and 78 genders on facebook and you know all these dumb discussions none of them exist in in, in belize yeah. and I, it it may just be my own you know mental state but waking up here every day knowing none of that is happening here is very psychically charging to me mm-hmm. it's very um and of course there's the practical practical factors i mean it's orders of magnitude cheaper there's a delivery service from a farm in a town called san ignacio that delivers meats and cheeses and jams and jellies and milk and and uh, i ordered they come every thursday they're coming today and i ordered 30 eggs two pounds of bacon a pound of sliced roast beef and a pound of sliced cheese and it's like what is it 35 bucks u.s delivered to my house wow yeah, and you're paying you're paying a dollar an egg. I must say, you um, know, see, see that when uh, Obama be, uh, became president, and then well, I should say afterwards when Trump became president, just to see some of that stuff melt away—the stuff that you're impugning right now—I'm talking about the uh, all the woke nonsense. It kind of went away under Trump, and it came back well, ferocious. Right, this is my theory. I think I think I may have said this to you before. You know, they, they were boiling the frog slowly in the U.S. You know the expression, if you put a frog in cold water and turn the heat up, yeah. it won't jump out. Well, they were cooking the U.S. at about a three. And Trump unexpectedly to them won. And that freaked them out. Well, they turned the burner up to eight now. Yeah. And that's why it seems so much more, so much crazier now than it did before. Is because they're like, well, maybe we don't have the time we thought we had to slowly cook the frog, we're cranking it up. Yeah. And you see it this week, with, you see this, you see, certainly see it this week in Davos. You see uh, Al Gore's unhinged rant. And, and, and how about, how Kerry's about rant? Kerry's rant? <laughs> well, well, well Kerry's just completely lack of self-awareness. God, you know? it's, it's, he just it's, bloviates. He just, it, just to hear him, it's, he is such a it, fraud. Yeah, he's a complete fraud. And, you know, we're extraterrestrials brought down here to save the planet. What a complete buffoon. And, you know, like, like I said, in a third world country, these people can't afford to be this stupid. Yeah. We, 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 they're a byproduct of a excessive, overly successful, overly entitled society. Or societies, plural, at Davos. And, and someone in Belize, you know, the, the average Mayan in Belize or the Garifuna in Belize who live in, you know, a, a hut can't afford this. You know, look at these people and go, you're idiots. I told you my, fa- my favorite form of entertainment since moving down here is telling rooms full of Belizeans that we're actually debating whether or not men can get pregnant. <laughs> and they all look at me like, are you people idiots up there or what? Yeah. What? What is going on up there? And, of course, it's, it's going to be very sad if, if and when the U.S. collapses because, you know, like, the, the Belizean dollar is pegged to the U.S. dollar. It's yeah. two to one. Anywhere the dollar moves, the Belizean dollar moves. 
two to one, two bleezing dollars for every U.S. dollar. So, I mean, the ripple effects are going to are going to hurt a country like Belize. It's going to hurt a lot of countries. But the U.S. is bringing this on itself, and by extension, all these other countries. And it's it's just it's you know I, I have a friend who's a national radio host out of D.C. You may know him, Chris Plant. Sure. And every time he every time he says on the radio, "We won the Cold War," I text him. I'm like, "No, we did. We're yeah. losing it right now." Yeah. Um. The the the, the the Berlin Wall coming down is sort of like their side sacrificing their bishop before they checkmate us. That wasn't the end. That wasn't the win. That was a part of the ongoing process. And of course, they, as it has been said by many, many people, the, the, the external forces aren't going to take down the U.S. It's the internal ones. And that's what they did. They started under FDR, placing communists in the government. Yep. And McCarthy, Joe McCarthy was right. Joe McCarthy was right. He may have been a drunken stumbler, drunk, drunken fumbler, but he was right. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And they, they have poisoned us from within. It's a, it's a suicide in, in the sense that we allowed it to happen from within. So you are absolutely right, Seton. So uh, out of curiosity, you know, uh, and I'm kind of springing this on you, but uh, what's the background of Belize? Is it, was it a uh, possession of a... It was a British colony called British Honduras. Which mm. makes no sense because it, it has no land connection to Honduras. Yeah. The two car- it was basically carved out of Guatemala. Um, it's it's mostly surrounded by Guatemala. It's got Mexico to the north mm-hmm. on the northern end. B- B- uh, Belize is about the size, a little smaller than Delaware, and it has no people. It's got four hundred and twenty thousand people. Delaware has more than one point two million people. Mm-hmm. Imagine a country a country the size of Delaware with less than half the people. And so it was a British colony till 81. It's still a British protectorate because Guatemala's in the world court right now trying to get it back because they want the coastal access that Belize has. Um, uh, they're not going to win, I hope. Uh, and I don't think, I've been told by people who know that it, they, they won't win. But the British troops used the Belizean jungle to train for jungle training. Yeah. And that also, that's, that, that jungle is on the Guatemalan border. Huh. So it's kind of a visual aid to the Guatemalans. Yes, you could invade, and if it was just Belize, you'd win. But it's not just Belize. <laughs> so did, <laughs> did, did Belize uh, participate in slave trade back in the day? Um, uh, well, it's British Honduras. I'm sure it, it might have. Yes, that I don't know. Uh-huh. There are people, there is a black population here that's called the Garafuna. And they came by boat from St. Vincent and some other islands. And they were obviously descended, you know, they descend from slaves that were brought from Africa. Um, I don't know what Belize's participation in the slave trade was. Again, it's a very small place that's always been hollow of people. So I don't even know if there, may, if there was slave trade here. I'm just, uh, you know, just looking at the lack of population, I, 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 don't, th- I don't know if there was. It, it wouldn't seem to make much sense because... There's not a lot of land, and there's not a lot of people. Well, so there's also, have- I think, an influence in some of those islands that had slave trades. There's a lot, a lot more anger or a lot more uh, divisiveness going on. The, the Garafuna people here are very, very nice. Yeah, everyone here is very, very happy and very, very nice. The Garafuna live in little villages. There's, there's certain pockets of the population. They're on the coast mostly. Um, there's a section of the peninsula I'm on called Sainbite. On that's their section. 
of the Placentia Peninsula. There's two waterfront towns called Hopkins and Dangriga that is mostly uh, Garafuna. There's one or two in, inland uh, towns that are Garafuna. And then there's some that are mixed throughout the country. But again, remember, there's 420,000 people. There's, you drive for an hour and then you get to a village of, of about 1,000 people. And then you drive another 20 minutes and you get to a village of about, a thousand, of about 500 people. There's nobody here. <laughs> uh, which is sounds delightful. Well, again, and uh, uh, just to remind our listeners, you're living on an oceanfront, right on the. Uh, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> okay. I haven't built. I haven't built on the oceanfront yet. I have to sell my house in Texas. That's that's my build money. I see. Seaton Miley, yes. you know, we didn't talk about our topic at hand, but we could talk about that's it. That's all right. We'll talk. I, about- I, I enjoy talking about Belize. Uh, b- by the way, everybody listening, don't come. Nobody come. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing an interview uh, when I was living in Austin. Uh, Sandra Bullock had moved to Austin, the actress, and and she, and, it was, and she was asked about living in Austin, and her face immediately like melted. She's like, "Oh, I love it so much!" And, and she talked for about ten seconds about how much she loved it, and then she went. Nobody come. Nobody move there. Stop moving there. Everybody's moving there. Stop so, moving there. So that's your sentiment, too. Again, Seton Miley, the founder and president of Less Government. LessGovernment.org is the website, and you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your discussion. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, uh, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, We'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They help prepare your elected officials to win in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Bill Barnett, mayor of Naples, I should say, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, my my pleasure. Beautiful weather, lots of traffic, seasons in full swing, and uh, cleanup seems to be moving along slowly but 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 surely uh in the city there it looks nice uh they have a lot of work still a lot of work to do on the beaches and the beach heads beach ends but um well, speaking of which so i was gonna tell you you asked me before we were on the air um about uh, any scoop from the city as always well they had their first council meeting uh yesterday and um I guess they had decided um, whether it was prior to going on vacation or whatever, but they were going to turn over, you know, the new New Year's leaf. Um, the New Year's leaf was that at 5 o'clock they were going to take a look at where they were, and they had decided that no matter what, um, they were going to call it a, a day because they would be too tired to keep going and not to have such long agendas, okay? Mm-hmm. So yesterday uh, at 5 o'clock, the mayor... Um, well, actually, it was 5.30 when the mayor stopped them and said, well, um, we still have, uh, I think they had three or four agenda items to go. Uh, they were in a uh, heated conversation with, with one of them that, uh, had, had, uh, that needed more input uh, and more comments. And um, she said, well, we, we agreed that, um, that we were going to, you know, because we're, we're too tired and we don't function well, whatever, we all agreed that we were going to stop. So then one of the council members said, well, but we have to finish this agenda item, and we have one more that I think we can get through if we all vote for it. Well, I don't think that was really a, a, a good thing to, you know, <laughs> say if we all vote for it. It's kind of like, well, hey, let's just vote for it. We can get out of here. Yeah. You know, without, <laughs> without discussing yeah. it. And um, We all agree that okay. we're not effective uh, at the end of the day, and <laughs> yeah. so, so let's so, cover some I, more business. <laughs> I cannot tell you, but... Um, to my um, just watching and thinking, I'm thinking, well, you're right back to where you guys started. You know, you put too many, too much stuff on the agenda t- to begin with, and you know you can't get through it. And if complicated things come up, which they do, uh, then people don't get the the, the 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 proper time that should be allotted to them. And then to top it off, and I'll shut up for a minute because um, <laughs> you'll throw me off the air. Um, the, uh, the 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 one, you know, this. Um, Mr. Myers, um, he's a, uh, he reminds me of my old friend, Henry Kennedy, who used to be at every council meeting and would give me a, a tough time down there, but he was all in all an okay guy. But Myers is the one who sued for the beach club and all that. And, yeah. but anyway, he gets up and he speaks. And, um, so he says, um, oh, just one extra minute, please. Well, he spoke for 12 minutes. Okay. <laughs> she, has, she has to stop him. Okay. She doesn't say, look, you know, you're no different than anybody else, and um, you can come back at the next reading or whatever, but let them speak. So my, all I'm trying to say is, is that city council is just like city council was. Yeah. Um, they just can't seem to get the, their acting gear. They've got a lot of stuff on their agenda. They're having another meeting on Friday. I don't think in all my years I ever had a Friday meeting, but they had one yesterday. Uh, I think they – I don't know if they have another one today – but uh, they have another one on Friday, 
and I'm going to try and finish things up. So that's the scoop from the city. Well, but, you know, I think the key is you can just understand that you're there to make decisions for the benefit of the citizens of Naples. And uh, I'm sure what's happening is it's not being controlled. The discussion goes from one thing to another thing without addressing the topic at hand. So that's usually what eats up the time. Right. And, and they just, well, even that, they stay on a subject and they, they're trying to, I mean, to their credit, trying to come to solutions. But what happens is the time sequences have, are just not set right. right. When they plan the agenda item out and, and the, you know, this goes to the city manager. I don't, I, I have no problem. It seems like he's doing a nice job. Um, but they, they just have never been able to get, um, they've never been able to, to, to get the right amount of agenda items on, at least have less than more because you have people waiting and sitting there, you know, for their case to come up, for their agenda item to come up. You have attorneys and clients and everything. And, you know, you make people sit there all day long. Yeah, that's that's uh, just not acceptable. Just, no, it isn't. Uh, anyway. Uh, hey, Bill, I want to ask you. I want to yeah. ask you about the, the property next to Sea Salt, the restaurant. Uh, we've been waiting for this new hotel to emerge and come out of the ground, but nothing seems to be happening. Any thoughts? Any update on that? Bob, I know uh, the only thing that I can tell you is obviously they grassed it and fenced it and, and whatever. It would make a nice little park there. Yeah. Uh, I have not heard one word since the, gosh, I want to go back and say the pandemic. Um, I haven't heard a word on it. Um, whether it's going or not, I think it's not going. Uh, they had had some some financial um, issues and some partner issues and whatever, and so I can't tell you, but maybe I could do a little looking into it for you and see if I can get you an answer. Yeah, I think uh, it, people want to know. Well, okay, I, let me let me be frank. Linda wants to know. <laughs> okay, that's good enough. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, if Linda wants to know. We better let Linda know. <laughs> okay. That'll be a project for me, and I promise you next Thursday I'll have an answer for you. Wonderful. Hey, and by the way, a uh, big game coming up to on uh, this weekend. Uh, the Bills are playing who? The Dallas Cowboys, I believe. No, no, no. They're, I, I think the Bills are playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati, okay. Yep. Well, uh, they're at Buffalo, and uh, it proves to be a proves to be a pretty good game. Uh, I'm, I'm, of course, rooting for the Bills. Uh, well, you know what? I don't have any hard feelings for Cincinnati. They were so good to that young man and uh, uh, from Buffalo Hamlin, and the fans were so appreciative. You know, I mean, yeah. when he got hurt, they gave him uh, so much support and um, and nice letters and everything else. So, um, um, you know, I don't have that. Uh, you know, you got to go out there and kill these guys and whatever. I hope it's a good game. I hope Buffalo wins. And hope, hopefully, nobody gets badly hurt. Right, for sure. Bill Barnett, and I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much Bob, for joining us. thank you so much, and you take care of yourself. Speak you as well. Week. Thank you so much. All right, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did, uh, and I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific uh, Legal Foundation. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston uh, Space Architecture. Marina Berkovich. Uh, just a wonderful. She's uh, grew up in uh, Soviet Russia, and uh, actually in the Ukraine when it was part of Soviet Russia. She's written a book about her life. It's called "My Life in My Dress by My Dresses," and uh, she's also the head of the Southwest Florida Jewish Historical Society as well. So we'll visit with Marina as well. Uh, 
I also, uh, we have another guest, Phil Kirpin's going to be on the show as well. Uh, he's the president of American Commitment. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And by the way, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. It's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>